We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. What is up, church? Make some noise wherever you are at. You made it to church, man. If we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Peter Haas. And can we just, everybody here, can we just welcome all the churches and campuses joining us today? Downtown Minneapolis, Westside, Monterey, we love you guys. We're just so honored that we get to do church together. And, and, and get this, uh, my wife and I actually planted substance 18 years ago this very Sunday. Happy anniversary, Substance. Come on. You're 18 years old. You, you're a legal adult today. That means you can vote. You can get piercings and tattoos without parental consent. You can do all sorts of fun things this year. I'm so proud of you. You've really grown up really, really well, and you're mature a lot of the time. And uh, I am just proud of you. No, for real, though, uh, when, when we planted Substance 18 years ago, our, our hope was just simple. We just wanted to create a space where uh, just people could experience just the Bible and God in everyday life, and the Bible could make sense to everyday life. And as, I, as a kid, I, I always remember uh, church having so many confusing rituals, and I, I just... And it kind of caused me to check out. It was just a little too much for me. And, and maybe that's just me. It's not that it's bad. It's just, I just remember church was boring. And, and, and today, personally, I think one of the greatest sins that pastors commit is they preach the gospel in a boring way. Come on. This is the God who created universes. This is the God who just spoke things into existence. And, and I think he's, he's exciting by his very nature. And, and so... Ultimately, uh, you know, that's why we do church the way we do. We just want it to be fun. We want it to be joy-filled. We want it to be awe-inspiring. And of course, today is going to be no exception. A tailgate Sunday. Come on. And, and listen, hey, if you're a visitor and you're like, gosh, is it, is it normal for the entire worship band to be wearing jerseys? Uh, you know, honestly, we just, we just want to have more excuses to have a party. Why? Because that's who our God is. He's a joy-filled God, and you don't have to like football. Again, in the fall, everything seems to take off. School, schedules get busier, all sorts of things kind of get busier in the fall. And of course, I remember, you know, like when my kids were young, that usually meant early mornings for mom and dad. Come on, somebody. You know who you are. I, I'm bringing all this up is because, you know, as things get busier, as, as the fall takes off for us, you know, I believe it's a critical time for you and for me just to stop and, and take inventory of our lives, just to reevaluate our, our priorities. Many of you uh, happen to be at church. We, every month we do a first Wednesday service. And of course, this last first Wednesday, uh, my wife and I did a big marriage and parenting Q&A. Uh, and by the way, if you're curious, uh, my wife and I just launched a new page on our website. If you go to peterhaas.org forward slash parenting, uh, I put about a book's worth of information on marriage and parenting, just Carolyn and I sharing every single tip, every single favorite parenting book, every single thing that kept us sane as our kids were growing up. And so if you're here today and you just want to stay sane, you know what I'm saying? You know who you are, okay? Just make sure you check out the, the new parenting blog, peterhaas.org forward slash parenting, dozens 
of blogs that are there. But, but one of the things that my wife and I love to do is, is four times a year, we like to stop our lives and kind of reevaluate using four, what we call the four helpful questions. I want to teach them to you real fast. Okay. And it's, it's just four things that we do to, to take inventory of our lives, just to kind of get back in sync with each other. And we ask these questions about everything, our marriage, our, our sex life, our parenting, our food, our exercise, all these things. What's working? What's not working? What's missing? What's confusing? What's working? Start with the positive. Let's just, let's start talking about the things that actually we're doing really good in, in, in our lives. What's not working? Okay. Conversely, I think we can make that list kind of long every single time. What's a lot of times it's not that it's not working. It's just that it's not missing. It's exercise. It's just missing. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like celery is missing. You know what I'm saying? What, what's confusing? Why do I not want to eat more celery? Okay. You know what I'm saying? So you just go through each of these and, and you get insights on your life. Okay. So uh, a lot of times it's really just getting perspective on your life. And, and so of course, after doing this, I've, I'm, I'm always working on about six to eight particular habits that I feel like God is pointing out in my life. Hey, I want you to work on this particular habit. Some of them are personal. Some of them are professional. Uh, a lot of them are spiritual. Okay. So let's say you want to get into the Bible more, just two minutes for two months. Again, just start a habit over the next couple months that are, are going to help you in your spiritual life. Okay. Now research shows, this is kind of interesting. If you and I really want to get our lives better, we got to focus on something called keystone habits. What are keystone habits? Let me define this. And all of this is set up for the Bible text that we're about to study today. Okay. Keystone habits. These are habits that statistically tend to, to lead to or correlate with other great habits. Okay. So it's basically a habit that leads to other habits or tends to correlate well with, with dozens of other habits. Okay. So they're habits that you and I should maybe prioritize in our lives. Now, uh, so why, why, why do they matter? Well, you know, think about it this way. Let's say a person comes to you. And of course, as a pastor, I've had this a lot. Um, a person will come to me, their life is a mess in dozens of areas. Let's say they're, they're struggling with their job. They don't like their job. They're seriously addicted to something, food, cigarettes, name it. They have massive credit card debt, uh, serious family issues, maybe a bad marriage, bad relationship with a kid. And by the way, they also eat terribly and they never exercise. And so here's the, so some of you are like, did you just like, did, did somebody tell you about me today? No. Okay. Let's just say you've got all these things going on in your life. And the million dollar question is this. Well, what area do you take care of first? What area of all these issues, your workplace, your job, is it your cigarettes, is it your credit card debt, your family issues, your bad marriage, your terrible eating, your, your never exercising? Okay, what do you, what do you work on first? What, as your pastor, what do I do to help you figure out how to untie the knot that is your life, right? Do you help someone solve their marriage first or credit card debt first? Where do you start? Well, one study, I'm not saying this is the right way, but one study suggests that you definitely need to start with their eating habits first. And some of you are like, eating habits? Yeah, well, here's why, okay? Studies show people who conquer their eating and workout habits automatically tend to have, be better at workplace productivity and job satisfaction that naturally skyrockets when people deal with their eating. 
they tend to acquire greater self-control over smoking. And so actually, some people argue that it's better to start with your eating habits before you even start with your smoking habit. Three, they tend to experience less tension with workplace colleagues, which, you know, not surprisingly increases job satisfaction. Four, when people eat, deal with their eating, they tend to report less tension with marriage and family. Some of you are like, really, can celery solve that problem? I don't know about celery, but I, I do know that healthy eating correlates with less tension. Five, people who deal with their eating habits tend to use their credit cards less frequently. Interesting. And people that deal with their eating overall, they tend to experience less stress, okay? That might communicate more peace, okay? Think about that, okay? So, so in other words, people that deal with eating first automatically have a significant reduction in many of these other areas, jobs, marriages, debt, addiction, stress. And if you're out there and you're asking the question why, the answer is this, I have no idea I have no idea. We could all make guesses. We could all make theories. My point is, is this is what habit researchers would say. It is a keystone habit. It is a habit that mysteriously leads or correlates to self-discipline in a dozen, dozen other areas. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because the Bible is strangely, shockingly filled with keystone habits. And by the end of today, I'm going to share a whole bunch of them with you. I kind of, I, I obviously, I, I geek out on the Bible and I geek out on habit research. And I want to share a bunch of them that correlate with what Jesus taught us all along. But to do this, we're going to start with a passage out of Luke chapter 10. And so if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you open to Luke 10? Or if you're a note taker, write it down. I'll have the scriptures on the screen. But uh, we're going to study the classic story about Mary and Martha. And if you're not familiar with it, uh, don't worry, we're going to get you there. I want to mine out some spiritual, uh, some spiritual concepts that are super easy to miss out here. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem, he came to a village, Bethany, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Okay, so you get Martha, she's offering hospitality to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary, Mary and Martha, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, this is, first off, let me just point this out. This is kind of a significant elevation of women. Generally, uh, women were not allowed to sit and hear a, a rabbi teach. And so this is kind of rare. Jesus is going out of his way to say, hey, I, I want you guys to feel honored. I want you guys to feel valued. And so they're sitting at the Lord's feet. It's important that you understand that in first century, this was, this was controversial, okay? And, and so it's interesting that Luke is pointing this out, okay? But Martha was what? It says, Martha was, read it with me, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So Martha is distracted. Jesus finally comes to her home, and what happens? She's not distracted with Jesus. She's distracted with all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay, so she's going to Jesus and she's kind of putting on a guilt trip, trying to twist his arm, saying, hey, can you get my sister in sync with what's going on? And Luke 10, verse 38, I love how, how or 41, 
Uh, Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So the, the classic question I always love to ask whenever I read a Bible story is this, is why? Why? Why did God include this story in his book? What was he trying to communicate to you and I for throughout the ages, throughout the centuries that you and I need to learn to get in sync with his priorities? Well, on the surface, we're reading about a super stressed out woman by the name of Martha. And once again, Jesus said to her, you are worried and upset about many things. Let's be honest. That statement sums up a good number of us in this room today. Wouldn't you agree? Myself included. Why are we so worried and upset about many things? Some of us, what, you know, like what is it that you're worried and upset about? Some of us, you could say politics. Others of us, you could say the hectic family schedule you're dealing with. Others of us are worried and upset about all the to-do lists that we've got going on today. Maybe it's you're upset or worried about your body, something going on with your health or your kids. Again, there's a million things we could get worried and upset about, and yet Jesus is asking, why are you worried and so upset about so many things? Martha, you're missing it. You're missing the point of life, why you were created, why God intended you to be on this earth. And I think a lot of us, we're missing out on that purpose. But the, the critical verse, the most important statement Jesus makes here, I believe, is in verse 42. It says this, Mary has chosen what is better. Verse 42, Mary has chosen what is better. Or to paraphrase it like this, okay? Mary has better priorities. Mary has better priorities. Now, if there's anything I've learned over the last uh, two decades of full-time ministry, and it's this, okay? And I want you guys to, you note-takers, write this down because it's important that you get this. A person with good priorities will always, always beat talent and intelligence over time. So maybe you're like, hey, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I wasn't the valedictorian of my class. I wasn't the one that, uh, of my family that everybody expected to succeed. Don't worry, okay? A person with good priorities will always beat talent. A, good, a person with good priorities will always beat intelligence over time. And the sad thing is that the Christians who have terrible priorities and habits, most of them can't even see that their priorities are off. Isn't that the truth? A lot of times you can see it in other people, but we can't see it in ourselves. It's, it's kind of sad, right? In fact, that's the whole problem it's, that Jesus is trying to address in Martha. It's, it's so easy to catch the world's value systems. We get in our ideas, in our heads, what is absolutely important. And of course, many of the things that the world even values, money, job, opportunities, actually have very little statistical impact on happiness, right? Many of you guys know I wrote a book a few years ago called Broken Escalators. It's on the, it's on the 10 statistical predictors of happiness and promotion. And it's very interesting how, how little circumstantial things actually have an impact on your happiness, right? For example, uh, wealthy people aren't happier than poor people. Did you know that? In fact, research shows that wealthier people are actually less happy. Anybody that has six digits or more tend to be the most angry, dissatisfied people on the earth, according to research, okay? And some of you are like, at least let me test for myself if I might be the exception to the rule. You know what I'm saying? At least... Come on, God, at least give me a chance to find out if I'll be angrier, right? I know what you're thinking, right? Or the same thing is true about, about location. People think 
you know, maybe if I live in California, I'll be happier than if I lived in South Dakota. Well, that's not actually true. In fact, actually, it tends to be reverse true, right? Uh, people whose kids do a lot of sports tutoring and endless lessons are actually not more successful than people whose kids do none of those things. Did you know that? Statistically, in fact, the, act, the exact opposite is true. Get this. According to research, almost all of the largest research studies done on healthy children and healthy child outcomes, the number one predictor of child outcomes is time spent with parents. People that spend two hours a day with their kids tend to have the healthiest kids relative to people that only, the average person only spends less than 15 minutes a day with their kids, okay? So, and then we wonder why it's, it's not, why 75% of kids walk away from Christ at college. I think it might not be that complicated. I think it's actually just old-fashioned priority, time with kids. The second biggest predictor of healthy kids, uh, of child outcomes, is the stress of the parent. It even has nothing to do with what you do to your kids and what you teach your kids. It's you. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, some, you, you worry that your kids aren't listening. What if they're listening all the time? They're watching all the time and they see everything. That's kind of the problem, isn't it? Is that my, my kids would mirror me to a, a perfection and it's very disconcerting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, so like if sports tutoring and lessons are turning you into a stressed out taxi driver, well, guess what? That's bad for everyone. It's the second biggest predictor of child outcomes, the stress of the parent. My point is this. We live in a world that is constantly pushing certain values on us that aren't even true, and in many cases, it's the very thing that's killing us. And remember what Jesus said about Mary. He said, Mary has chosen what is better. Her values, her priorities are leading her to that which is better. And Martha, you can't take it from her. You can't take it from her. I, you know, this last summer, many of you guys know that my wife and I, uh, we did the great adventure. We moved into a new house. I knew, I, at the time, I, I knew that, you know, the market was peaking in, in terms of interest rates. So I thought, I'm going to sell it high. And then, and then as things dip, I'm, we're going we're gonna to buy low. And of course, it worked for us. We moved and we got into a, a new house. And and uh, we, the professional movers, we paid some professional movers to move us, and they were loading the truck. And of course, you know, I was so fascinated by how they did it because it was very counterintuitive. They did it in a very specific order. They were they were loading it, like I, I had no idea what. It didn't even make any logical sense to me. There were certain items that they refused to even put into the truck until other things were loaded first. And of course, you know, but and at first, again, I, I'm like, why are you doing it like this? And they, they just kind of explained it. And, and, and then, but as more and more of my junk went into this thing, this truck, which was very humbling, by the way, it's amazing how much crud you acquire over the years. And then you're just watching your friends carry your junk and you're like, yeah, I'm sorry about that one. You know, I don't know why I'm keeping that, you know, broken shovel, but you know, you just, you know, never know. And, uh, but these guys were... You know, these guys were loading it into the trunk, and I, I was amazed by how clever they were. I was amazed by how much they jammed into this. They packed that truck so strategically, they fit 10 times more of my junk into that trunk than I ever could have, and, and here's what was going on, okay? Because they prioritized the right things, the truck could handle significantly more, more stuff. Or to put it another way, our priorities determined our capacity. That was true in terms of packing the truck, but ultimately, it's true in every area of our lives. Our priorities actually 
determine our capacity. It's true not only spatially, but it's true emotionally. It's true financially. Okay, let me give you an example, okay? If you, if in finances, if you prioritize certain early investments, early on they create income and they create like passive income, they create interest, right? I, I remember my friend teaching me when I was 20 years old, he was like, hey, if you can get seven grand in mutual funds this year and 14 grand by the time you hit 21, and, and like you, you can basically just use it as your retirement account, you will be a millionaire. You will be a millionaire by the time you retire. It's just, again, passive income. It's learning how, how to utilize compound interest. If you prioritize the right things, it will increase your capacity. And so thankfully, because I had mentors in my life, I invested a lot early on. I also invested a lot. I got my, my down payment. That was the first thing. I drove really cruddy cars until 40 right? But, but, you know, like Dave Ramsey says, if you live like no one else now, you can live like no one else later, right? Priority determines capacity. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to your time and your relationships. I guarantee you, I, I was just thinking about, you know, on our 18th anniversary of substance, I, I, I you know, despite how much I love substance, I, I love my kids more, and even more than that, I love my wife, and even more than that, I love the Lord. And I, I feel like because I've prioritized even, say, my relationship with the Lord and my marriage, even over my kids, I've prioritized that. I, I'm telling you, um, you know, because there was peace inside of our home, we were able to conquer the chaos outside. Does that make sense? In other words, our priorities determined our capacity. The reason why our church has been able to thrive over the last 18 years is because I've noticed something. The degree to which I have peace inside of my home is the degree to which I can conquer the problems outside of my home. And the same thing has been true with finances. The degree to which I can conquer the peace inside of my marriage is the degree to which I can focus on things like finances, things like parenting, things like helping my neighbor, okay? In other words, a lot of times the, the, the capacity to even have time to help my neighbor is actually due to the priorities that I have in my personal life. And, and the same thing could, again, be true about intimacy with the Lord. The degree to which we have intimacy with God is the degree to which you'll have a great marriage, okay? In, in other words, if I could kind of give you an illustration as to, how this, as to how this works, here's a picture of a tiered water fountain. Many of you guys have seen them. It's kind of like the, the ancient world's uh, solution to air conditioning. Believe it or not, this was actually uh, the ancient air conditioner. They would put it in a lot of um, desert places simply because when the wind would, would blow across it, it increases the surface area of water, which cools everything down. But the, the reason why it increases the surface area of water is because of these tiers, okay? So water fills up the top basin, and then after it fills it up, it leaks down to the second, and it leaks out to this one, leaks out to that one. Not only does it increase the coolness of the air, it increases the ions in the air. It actually increases, so they, they found that it boosts positivity. Have you ever noticed kind of a, a happy feeling when you're around it. It's not just because it's artistic and beautiful. It's actually because it has, there's all these weird health benefits that are, that come from the design of the prioritization. 
Now, I think this is kind of an illustration as to how our lives were actually designed to work by God. When you prioritize your relationship with the Holy Spirit, it spills over into your marriage. Your marriage spills over into your kids. Your kids, your family spills over into your workplace and into your neighbors and then into your finances. And pretty soon, there's resources for everything. But when your priorities are out of whack, what happens? Well, the water just spills out. It actually, you end up missing an entire tray. You miss an entire basin. And I think a lot of times when our priorities get out of whack, that's actually what's wrong. That's why we're experiencing stress. That's why we're experiencing lack. That's why things just don't seem to be flowing really well in our lives. Maybe it's because our priorities somehow at some point just got out of whack because of something in our lives. And it's easy. It's easy to get there. It's easy, just you get some problem in your life and it, you know, it throws you into a panic. I, I, again, I think a well-prioritized life is a work of art. And I'm not going to tell you it's easy. And I'm not even going to tell you that I've got it figured out because this is something that I'm constantly having to reevaluate. That's why I go through the four helpful questions four times a year is because about 30 times a year, I get it wrong. You know what I'm saying? I, and I need to get God's priorities back in my life so that I can get God's capacity back into my life. And so coming back to Keystone Habits, I believe the reason why Keystone Habits actually work is because they tap into this kingdom principle of priority, the tiered water fountain, determine, creating capacity. And that's why Jesus said, this is a classic Bible verse. Just memorize it at some point because it's worth memorizing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said. And all of these things that the pagans run after, Jesus said, they'll be added unto you. It's just super, it'll just spill over into your life. You won't even have to seek after them. You won't even have to pursue them. They will literally pour into your life when you do what? Seek two things. Just, it's that simple. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you could just do those two things, then, then Jesus says, I promise you, you're gonna have all of these things, life to the fullest, John 10, 10. What if our lack of peace, our lack of joy, our lack of power was simply due to some sort of priority in alignment in our lives, in our marriages, in our families? For example, okay, a, a while back I happened upon a, a, a simple study proving that family dinners happen to be a keystone habit as well, family dinners, tend to be a keystone habit. It seems so simple, it almost doesn't even seem true, right? But, but get this, it's just a simple habit that tends to have a huge impact correlating with dozens of other habits. Let me just, let me tell you a little bit of research on this. National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University, they did a study on families, uh, on healthy family outcomes, and listen to what they found. Families that regularly eat dinner together the kids and the teenagers who regularly ate dinner with their family are three times less likely to smoke pot, cuts the risk of substance abuse in half for all controlled substances. It lowers stress levels in the home. Remember what the number two predictor of, of, of healthy kids is? The stress levels of the parents? Well, family dinners lowers the stress level at the home, significantly lowers the risk of suicide, they found, in teenagers and kids, dramatically lower risk just by doing family dinners. Also, kids and teens who regularly eat dinner as a family are more likely to confide in their parents. In other words, be honest with their parents about what they're going through. They're more likely to feel emotionally content 
They're more likely to be selective about finding positive friends and getting rid of, of, of non-positive friends. They're more likely to get good grades, and they're more likely to say that their parents are proud of them. Come on, just from dinner? Like you're literally shoving food in your mouth next to people, and all of a sudden, you get all of these issues Come flowing in the lives of your kids. You see, church, it's a keystone habit. Priority determines capacity. Or as one last example of it, the Bible is constantly talking about prioritizing church attendance as a keystone habit. Planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. Planted in the house of the Lord, Psalm 92, 13, you will what? Flourish. In other words, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be like a plant by streams of water. Not surprisingly, research confirms it is a keystone habit, not just church research. Non-Christians have discovered that church attendance is a keystone habit. People who attend church religiously, as they say, rain or shine, have better physical health. They have better sex. They have better grades. They have better academic achievements. They have better mental health. They have better time management. And on average, they live seven to 14 years longer than the general population. Come on. For every statement I just made there, I actually have multiple university studies that prove each one of those. Once again, your priorities determine your capacity. What if, what if the Bible was right all along Psalm 92:13, planted in the house of the Lord? you will flourish, okay? What's, what's interesting is research also shows that digital church isn't the same. There's something about physical church that has all of these benefits. People that show up physically at church have these benefits, and people that don't show up physically do not have these benefits. In fact, research actually shows about all these things that I just mentioned, that even if you miss church once a month, all of these benefits tend to plummet. In other words, there's something about consecutive, about once a week, these things will skyrocket, and then even missing church, even once in a month, academic achievements, um, peace, uh, life expectancy actually plummets. And here's the deal. I'm not saying this to make anyone feel guilty about church attendance, but, you know, because life is already tough enough. I'm not trying to add burdens, but I, my goal is simple, okay? Actually, this should encourage you because a, a few simple little adjustments in your life family dinners, church attendance, healthy eating, a few small changes in your life can actually make all the difference. That's actually the good news is that, hey, what if the, 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 in the gap between where you are and where you want to be, what if it's actually just a couple small habits that if you would acquire right now, this fall, it could change everything for you? Come on. Some of you, you feel like hope is so far away, but what if it's actually really close? What if it's closer than you think? You see, truthfully, what I want to do for you right now is what Jesus did to Martha, and it's this. I want to reorient you a little bit, Martha. Come on. I just want to delightfully subvert some of your priorities and say, hey, maybe just a little less of that and a little more of this is going to all of a sudden be a lot of this. Just joy and peace. And man, I don't know about you. I want you to experience more of that. And I just, you know, the greatest part in all this is that if we would just stop and listen, 
Just stop and listen to God today. That's really all we're doing is I just believe that God wants to realign all sorts of divine priorities in our lives that would just take our marriages, just everything, our parenting, everything to that next level. Because at the end of the day, I believe the real reason why Mary wanted to sit at Jesus' feet is because the words of Christ are filled with keystone habits, with priorities that increase your capacity. But in saying this, okay, I am gonna warn you though, if you're gonna do what I'm ask, asking you to do, and that's prioritize the things Jesus asked us to prioritize, I am gonna warn you that if you prioritize Christ with your time, your money, your emotions, there are gonna be people who will critique you for it. I'm guaranteeing that. When you, when you choose the better thing, other people are gonna say, oh, Oh, so you think you're better than us now? You know, like you're eating healthy and unlike me with my taco chips, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you won't get wasted with us anymore. I, I, coming back to Luke 10, I think it's interesting to note that the moment Mary made a healthy decision, she got attacked. Check this out. In Luke 10, 40, Martha came to Jesus once again and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister Mary has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Do you like how I acted that out? I practice that, okay? No, for, I, I think most of us, we're, we're kind of in that whiny voice all the time. In other words, not only is she accusing Mary of doing wrong, but now she's actually accusing Jesus. Like, don't you care? It's Jesus' fault now that, that for her stress. Okay, think about this. Think about what's actually going on. How many of you know people who aren't getting healthier become critics of those who are? That's just a fact. People who aren't becoming better become critics of those who are. We all do it. We all hate on healthy people, right? Those alfalfa sprout eating, running people. It's just like, ah, who do they think they are running next to my car? <laughs> Unbelievable. I was at the airport, and then there's those people that, you know, there's the moving walkways, which I always choose, and then there's those like, oh, you think you're better just because you're walking next to the moving walkway? Come on, people, that's why they're there. <laughs> it's one of the few joys in life, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> Take the escalator, you know? you know? Again, I think we all like to hate on healthy people. It's a natural impulse, but also remember, it's your sin nature. If we're not getting healthy, it's easy to become critics of those who are. And yet, what I love about Mary, this is, this is so important. She didn't try to defend herself. She didn't start a fight. She didn't say, well, I am better than you, Mary or Martha, and I have chosen what is better. She just let Jesus sort out everything. You know what I'm saying? And, and the reason I'm saying all this is the further you go in Christ, the more you're going to have to tune out the wrong voices, or I could put it this way. You'll never hear the voice of Christ until you learn how to turn out, turn, turn, turn down the voices in a Martha world. And and this happened to me when I first decided to follow Christ. Many of you guys know that my conversion story was pretty dramatic. I used to be a music producer. I used to do electronic dance music, and, and uh, I still do, actually. And uh, I, used to be a, I used to be a DJ, though, working in nightclubs. And, and, of course, I did a lot of unhealthy things with a lot of unhealthy people. And my life was spiraling into all sorts of, of difficulty. I was spiraling into drugs. I was spiraling into... Um, depression, and in the midst of all this, my good friend dies in a car accident, and then my, my, my father-in-law committed suicide, two traumatic deaths in the same week, and I started asking deeper questions. There's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than this, and, and, um, and many of you may have heard the story, but I was in a nightclub. I was depressed, 
And I finally prayed, God, whoever you are, whatever you are, if you created the universe, you should be powerful enough to reveal yourself to me. Just show me what religion is the right religion. Give me a sign, you know, like lightning bolts across the sky, Islam, Buddhism, none of the above. And I kind of just finished the prayer like, God, I, I, I'm relying on you just to reveal yourself to me. And then 30 seconds later, I'm walking out of the nightclub and a guy comes up to me and says, dude, I know this is strange, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. 30 seconds after I prayed that prayer and it so radically shocked me, so radically reoriented me. I, I literally, I, I, I gave my life to Christ right there in the nightclub and went to church with him the next day, okay? Weirded out all my friends and family. They didn't know what to do with me. Like, Pete, suddenly going for Jesus? You know, like I was not the guy anybody would have predicted would have ever gone towards the Lord and especially would not have become a pastor, right? But I, I just, you know what makes today extra special is today is not only Substance's anniversary, but it's my spiritual birthday. September 18th was the exact day I gave my life to Christ uh, many years ago. And uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, I had a couple friends who got irritated that I pursued my faith. I had a couple friends who, uh, they interpreted my, my pursuit of freedom as judgment. Even though I did, wasn't judging them whatsoever, I was like, hey, I get it. You're just doing what you, you know, you're just doing what I did, right? And, uh, and they interpreted my pursuit of freedom as judgment, and I, I had to take a break from them for a season, and guess what? Only a, a season later on, I was actually able, guess who they came to for help when they wanted it? They came to me, and, and I, I think about it, the only reason why all that happened was because I stopped my life, and I thought, hey, maybe there's, there's a reality bigger than the one that I currently exist in, and hey, if you've got doubts, if you're a skeptic, that's okay, that's why we do church, we, we welcome you, in fact, actually, we want you to run towards your doubts. I actually believe those are the areas where God can, can reveal himself the most brilliantly, is in the areas as if God doesn't have intellectual evidence for you. Hey, I believe that God has evidence for every seeker out there, and, 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 and I, got that, I got those answers just by laying at the feet of Christ, and it fundamentally changed my capacity. And, and right now, I, I'm sharing all of this simply because I, I just, I got this sense that a, a few of you, God brought you to church today because Deep in your heart, you do know, hey, it might be time for a change, or at least it might be time to be open-minded. You know what I'm saying? It, it, might be, it, it might be time just to stop and maybe consider there might be a better reality than the one you're currently living. And if that's, if that's you, I just wanna end with just a simple moment of prayer. Would you, just, would you just join me? Just close your eyes, bow your heads. I just believe that God brought many of you to church today just to take a little step of faith. And if that's you, I just want you to, Pray a simple repeat after me prayer. Just, in fact, all of us, let's pray this together. Say this, say, dear Jesus, forgive me, renew me, reveal yourself to me. Starting today, forgive me of my sin and renew me for your purposes in Jesus' name. And just right now, between you and God, if you mean that prayer, just say, I mean that, God. I believe that God is actually looking down on your life at all the things that you have going on, all the stresses that are oppressing you, all the worries that are burdening you, and he's got a plan for every last one of them as you just surrender to him right here, right now. God, you see our lives. Lord, we just wanna experience what you promised us in Matthew 6, that if we would seek you first, all these things that other people run after, they would just be added to our lives. Lord, we dedicate our lives to you right here,
right now with joy. In Jesus' precious name we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. With all that said, we're going to have our campus pastors come on up and tell us where we're going to go next. I love you guys. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com slash giving, and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check in next week for a new message. 